The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to Foundational Missions Leadership Moment. Join your host, Scott McClelland of FX Missions, as he deep dives into the lives of leaders to glean secrets that will propel today's leaders to new heights. Here's Scott. I would speculate that you didn't anticipate that on your push-off. Like you're saying, you were thinking this is going to get crowded, it's going to get whatever. But you were, it was uh, an unexpected gift. That was, yep. Mm. That's right. Powerful, powerful. Well, we're going to get you over on the From the Forefront podcast here before long to talk about in some, you know, at some length about your music and and about maybe your journey and and Christ and how you've come to where you are. Yeah. So in this rendition, we're going to talk about Rich Mullins and Henry Nowen. Yes. Oh, yes. Recognizable names for many, I'm sure. Rich Mullins, you know, very visible guy, especially you know, in the late 80s, 90s, along that way, mm-hmm. 2000s, I would speculate. And I don't remember when he passed, but I do remember it happening. And then, 97. 97. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Wow. Well, you had written some stuff, and I'm signed up on your uh, newsletter, mm-hmm. something you're sending out. And thank you for doing that. You're excellent at it, and I appreciate your excellence. I know Thanks. it comes at a at a cost of persistence and and working on it. What about Rich Mullins? What informed you? What interested you? What was your experience with him? Of course, anybody as a believer in the States, you know, in sort of this younger population at the time would probably be familiar with him. Mm -hmm. But what about him got your interest early on? I discovered Rich in my early teens, and I grew up in a Christian bubble of sorts, Lynchburg, Virginia, home of uh, mm-hmm. Liberty University, and went to yep. a very conservative Baptist church there. And I was a good little boy for the most part. Yeah. And, you know, so I wanted to listen to the Christian music and all all that, uh, which I did. And that was maybe the pinnacle of CCM, contemporary Christian music. Back back in the nineties, <laughs> right? Is the time of Amy yes. Grant and Michael W. Smith mm-hmm. and DC Talk mm-hmm. and all of them. And oh, then yeah. I I put in Rich Mullins and his album Liturgy Legacy Ragamuffin Band. I think it was ni- nineteen ninety three. Mm. Is mm. one of the greatest Christian albums of all time, and it changed me and it changed the way I looked at. Christian music and thought about what is possible there because there was something about Rich's voice and his songs that it just was different than than everything else in that 
genre, everything else coming out of CCM at that time. There was an authenticity right. about it, an honesty. And even when he was saying things that everyone else was saying, like he has a song called Creed, which is literally verbatim, pretty much the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father, yes. almighty maker of heaven and earth. But even when he sang mm -hmm. that, you believed him. I think that was it. Mm. He could somebody else might sing it, and you'd be like, "You're just trying to create something that'll sell on Christian radio or Christian audiences or whatever." Right. You know, fe feels mm -hmm. a little contrived, maybe. But he sang it, yeah. and you believed him because there was a an authority of experience and painful life. <laughs> that you could hear in his voice. And then when you explored his life, you understood that was lived out, you know, from the very beginning when, you know, he got his break by writing a song for Amy Grant that Amy Grant picked up. And, you know, the story goes, he gets this phone call about Amy Grant picked up your song. Like, don't you know what this means? Don't you know how this is going to change your life? And he was just kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I want that. <laughs> And right. I loved his perspective of not just readily embracing everything that just seems like common sense by the world's values of like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course you want to be successful. Yeah, of course you'd want, you'd want to do that and move to Nashville. And, and he just said, you know, I'm not sure. And not just because he wanted to be different, but because I think he had vision to see you know, where that might lead. Hmm. So yeah, he's had a, had a huge impact on me. Man, I think I recognize not being a musician. I'll limit my, <laughs> I'll limit my purvey a little bit or my uh, perspective a little bit based on that, because I, I would guess that at that time, as a young person, you were, you're pretty inspired by music. You were already knowing that you had something to give in the musical area. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So his musical excellence combined with his authentic and authoritative voice. When I say authority, I don't, I don't mean uh, authoritarian. I, I mean mm -hmm. the authority that only comes through lived experience. Mm -hmm. It had a weightiness to it. But that combined with these songs that were so well-crafted and Liturgy Legacy in particular produced by a guy named Reed Arvin was a really groundbreaking musically at that time. You know, these mm. big sweeping songs. There's a song called The Color Green. We actually played at our wedding, but it's just kind of this big sweeping yeah. cinematic soundscape. The way that was produced, there's really nothing else like it from that time that I'm aware of. I don't think I've heard that one. It's called Green. The Color Green. The Color, the color green. green. I'm going to... Yeah. Just, just listen down. to that whole album. A Liturgy, A Legacy, and A Ragamuffin Band. I will. You know, at the time, I was in Christian radio at that very time huh. when you're talking about I was, you know, one of those early players and fairly, you know, somewhat preeminent stations, full power station, you know, all that stuff, huh. a Christian station. So... We were riding the wave, I think, that you were talking about at that apex yeah. of CCM. I got exposed to a, a good bit of his music, you know, from that. I don't think I've listened to the whole thing, which I will do. I think, Rich, one thing that was obvious to me, and I think this plays out on his 
it's not really a documentary. I know there's probably is a few documentaries, but Ragamuffin was a sort of a movie made by him right. or made about right. him rather. Right. Did you see that one? I did. Yeah. 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 He he was not a man without struggles, if you will. Yeah. That to me doesn't disqualify him. We all have struggles, whether we want to admit it or not. You know, we're all in the struggle. You know, I, I remember and knowing Brennan Manning, of course, who makes an appearance in the movie, I, not knowing Brennan Manning personally, but through his books, mm-hmm. I know maybe his authenticity was informed by that. I don't think he was he wasn't trying to hide necessarily his uh, feet of clay, if you will. I know he had some significant struggles, as we do at times, and he pushed through. I remember uh, also when I go, I want to go out like Elijah, mm-hmm. right? That was one of his later songs or one of those, maybe it was on that same album. I'm not sure. But some said that his Jeep accident was in some ways parallel or had a eerie familiarity. And that's how he passed, I believe. Right, that's right. Yeah. 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 I know he worked with Native Americans as well. Yeah. He, you know, on reservations. What Do you know something about that? A little bit. And there is a documentary that was made can't remember mm-hmm. the name of it, but I'd recommend finding that and watching that as, a, okay. as opposed to the movie. The movie is really well done. And yeah. but what I heard about that and perceived is that it did not capture Rich's joy. It captured his anguish, like the actor was able to portray his his anguish and kind of the dark side, but had difficulty also at the same time portraying the deep joy that that rich would have at times as well Mm. that's what makes him a a neat character and like a biblical character i've been i've been reading Mm. through the the old testament more lately it's crazy scott you ever read the bible (laughs) there's some crazy stuff in the old testament and it is very honest about humanity it just puts it all out there and mm-hmm. and I think that's what people loved so much about Rich and what I, I loved is that it was all out there, the sorrow and the joy, the sin and the piety, you know, mm-hmm. and I just think God loves people who aren't pretending. <laughs> God loves it when people yeah. don't pretend. And Rich just chose not to pretend and uh, to be out there. He tells a story about when he was on a train somewhere in, I think it was Germany, another country where he assumed everyone around him did not speak English. And so he was talking to one of his bandmates and confessing some sins, you know, and mm. some, I think some sexual sins or say, you know, just some, some stuff that you wouldn't normally say yeah. around people. And then it turns out, you know, some people in the train car speak English and then they're listening mm. to his mm. to his conversation. But he said, you know, I would rather be open about these things rather than live in the false illusion of piety that mm. the Pharisees tended to live in, that they had all this stuff bottled yeah. up in, inside and pretended to be okay on the outside. But I would rather just be honest. And I'll have to find this YouTube clip of him at a concert in the mid 90s at some mm-hmm. church where he is up there confessing his temptation to pornography basically 
And I am just totally stunned by, at that time especially, in that context, and with what he had to lose potentially of just his utter honesty and him saying, yeah, Mm. you know, when that's why I travel with another guy, his best friend's name was Beaker. So I traveled with Beaker, you know, and I was in my hotel room and hoping Beaker would step out because I wanted to be tempted. Mm. Sometimes we just want to be tempted. And so wow. he, things he would say would just give me the, the permission to be honest. And when we can be honest is when healing can begin. And right. it opens up the possibility for other people to be honest as well. That's a courage that he demonstrated. Yeah. I think, as you're saying, is, is exemplary and maybe one of his primary contributions to you as a young man. I'd love to have that clip if you find yeah, it. Yeah, I'll send, send it, it, to me. I'll we'll, send it along to you. We'll put it in the show sure. notes here. We'll put it and in And you notes. had asked about uh, his work on the Native American reservations. And mm-hmm. yeah. that, again, that was part of his journey, uh, whereas he fully had the opportunity to move to Nashville and do the standard musician thing. And I think he got an invitation to come out to the Native American reservation and teach music in Kansas, I believe. And he said, I, I'm going to go do that. I mean, it's horribly inconvenient to try and be a touring Christian artist from nowhere, Kansas, you know, or, or <laughs> yeah. New Mexico or wherever it was. But that's <laughs> what he chose because he wanted to invest into those kids, invest into, into those people. And yeah, one time his producer, Reed Arvin, after they knew each other really well, he's like, Rich, like you wrote Awesome God. And I, I know you, you got to be getting some pretty serious commission checks, like from your sales and everything. Like what, what's one of your typical checks? And Rich said, I don't know. And Rick Reed's like, what do you mean you don't know? You don't know how much you make? He's like, no, I, I don't know. There's a board that I formed and the money just goes to them. And then I just have them pay me whatever the average working man's salary is for that year, which that particular year mm. was like $24,000. <laughs> mm. Wow. And, and that was just how he wanted to, that's how he wanted to live. You know, he was single, so he didn't have the obligations of a family. Mm-hmm. He started a little monastic order of sorts called the Kid Brothers of St. Frank in, you know, vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, just like the the Franciscan mm-hmm. vows, St. Saint, Saint Francis. Right. You know, yeah, had a couple yeah. guys with him that, that did that. Mitch McVicker, who was in the accident with him, I think was part of the Kid Brothers of St. Frank. He just did these different things because, again, I don't think for the sake of being different, but for the sake of life, because that's what he saw in the life of Jesus. And he wanted to follow hard after Jesus for the joy set before him, not not because of some legalistic standard, but for the joy set before him. Wow, man. Well, I'm feeling a new kind of the essence of some of the things I felt when I've encountered things of his ministry and, you know, things he'd done, songs, Mm -hmm. uh, some of this other content, which I'll try to backlink all of that as well. The documentary was called A Ragamuffin's Legacy, Ah. and uh, I think it's fairly available from what I quickly looked up. The Kid Brothers of St. Frank. That's pretty Mm -hmm. cool. It makes me, you know, want to know this guy a little better. And I think that may be our kind of our goal. What did Rich Mullins contribute and how can we uh, consider that and, and, you know, and be informed by it 
on our own road. It sounds like that's been significant. I know that you said something recently, pretty honest, and I know we're running out of time here. I remember seeing something you said about Jason Upton. You said, this guy, you know, has got something to give us, you know, and and Mm -hmm. he's got something of a depth to give us. And you said you discovered that by... Sort of you were making fun of his style, I think. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah. You got a few words for us on that, and I know we're out of time here, but that's an honest expression from you, and I thought it was meaningful for that reason. Yeah, yeah. You know, imitation, sometimes, again, it's one of those things of putting your body someplace else than it would normally be or doing something out of the norm that changes us. And in this case, yeah, yeah, I was listening to Jason who, when I first started listening to Jason Upton, I I could not stand him because the songs were repetitive and all the albums were live. I found out that he didn't ever record an overdub, which is where like where you go back over and fix something until like the last few years, like all his first, I don't know, seven albums or something were all totally live. Pure, uh, pure life. Pure life. Wow. And so you so there's things that are out of tune, they're repetitive. And especially for me, when I before I had experienced charismatic worship settings, it was just like uh-huh. this song is eleven minutes long and he's saying, you know, like the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again. I don't get it. And he would often do this thing where he'd be like, Yeah, 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 yeah. Like from this real, you know, deep place. <laughs> and so I just was like you know, kind of making fun of him in my kitchen one day. And I, I did that and something shifted like inside of me, like, like, whoa, like what, what just happened? Like I felt, uh, I was kind of like, I was singing from this like powerful, like deep place, like from my gut rather than just from my, my diaphragm or my head. It, it was, and I, I felt kind of something lift off me a little bit and so it was, I mean, how gracious is God to take something mm. where, you know, even we're, we're just joking around or being sarcastic or something and then use yeah. that to, to become a transformative experience. And that became a place from which I sing. And now like I was just playing here in, in my office this morning and picked up my guitar and was just trying to go to that honest, deep place, sing from that inside uh, where I'm I'm not trying so hard to, you know, write the perfect song and all of that. Like there comes a time for that. It comes a time to edit. It comes a time to craft. But there's also a time just to be alone with the Lord and sing from a deep place. And so, yeah, if you haven't heard Jason Upton, go check him out. I recommend <laughs> Table Full of Strangers Volume 1. If you're going to start with something, that's his first studio album. And so it's a little more palatable. For the musicians in the right, room. Right, right. <laughs> it's just more accessible. And then once you get to know him, you can move back through the live stuff where uh, once, you know, this COVID stuff's over, if you can go and see him, it's right, a powerful yeah. thing. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Wow. Two things about Jason Upton, and we'll conclude. We never got to Henri, Henry mm-hmm. Nowen, so we'll maybe we'll get another session if you can fit it in over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I remember hearing about Upton, you know, probably in the early, very close to 2000, might have been 2000, and hearing one of his songs that was kind of offensive to me. You know, it was very confrontive. He, he, I think it, it never made it onto an album, but I think maybe I got it off YouTube or whatever. It was called Kiss the Sun. You may or may not have heard it. I don't know. I don't know that one. Yeah, it, ne- it never made it onto an album. And right. I, I think basically it was, uh, <laughs> you know, they said, don't do that. Right. Yeah. It was unforgettable yeah. to me. 
I got to say that through those first early years of 2000, probably through five, he had a real contribution to me. I mean, I was I was like I was tweaked a little bit, like, really? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's kind of like the burning bush. Is that really happening? Yeah. You know, but if you turn aside, there's often something in those expressions of honest, yeah. transparent expressions. And uh, then I got to hang out with him. We did some uh, we were doing some common stuff in Mexico. I would guess this would have been within the last five years. Mm-hmm. So got to spend some time with him and his band and, and enjoyed that, you know, picked him up from the airport. We did some stuff in a conference that was going right. on that we were both kind of at in Mexico. So right. It was cool to kind of close that loop. I told him at the time, man, you used to be really something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, yeah. I, I don't know if I was that direct, sure. but I said, thank God, you know, you really had a contribution to me in this time frame." And he said, check this one out which was something new he had done, which you recommend a table full of strangers, strangers. volume one. Yeah. And you can attest to his life. I got to spend a little time with him as well on our RV trip. We stopped through Milwaukee and went to the little church at the time that he was a part of. And again, Mm -hmm. this little church was just meeting like upstairs in a coffee house. And Mm. it could have if they had advertised like Jason Upton is the worship leader and all, right? This thing could have been huge, could have been this big production. They had no sound system. It was like 50 people and mm. just all word of mouth and just people who were just following hard after Jesus. Mm. And I think he's kind of flows in that Rich Mullins sort of uh, vein of, you know, just this honest, real person that when you meet him, he actually cares about you, not just about yeah. himself or his career. Yeah. So he's had quite an impact on me too. Glad it came up. Powerful, powerful. Well, man, thank you very much for being on the cast. As I said, if you've got an, some more time in the next several weeks, we'll do round two. Yeah, man. We'll break this one into two sessions, but we'll get Henry now and I'll give you a little more time to prepare. That guy is something else. Absolutely. I'll look forward to talking with you about it. If somebody's hearing this and they want to know more about what you guys are doing, maybe how to be kind to each other, <laughs> titled from... Your album yeah. from a few years back. I got to say that's still inside of me. Thank you for that. Yeah. How do we find out more about Brian Morikon? Yeah, you can what go to that? my site, morikon.com. Morikon is how it's uh, the phonetical, yeah. M-O-R-Y-K-O-N.com. And there you, you can mm-hmm. sign up for my newsletter. I send out a weekly newsletter called Thine, which is just a little essay and, uh, and a song and a spiritual exercise. And then probably by the time this airs, I'm running a Kickstarter right now for the new album, but I bet that'll be over. But got a new album coming out in 2021. I'm excited about that. So, yeah. Is there a title or anything you want to say about that album that that hasn't been said? Don't say anything you don't want. No, it's a full length album. I don't have a title for it yet. But but again, just trying to follow in the the footsteps of the two guys we just mentioned, you know, Rich Mm -hmm. and Jason, of being honest, being real and doing something that has um, musical integrity and creative as well that way. So, yeah. Wonderful. Well, thanks again for being here. Morricon.com. And we'll backlink to a lot of this stuff, including the Rich Mullins video content, uh, the YouTube clip, if you can get it to me, the documentary as well. And look forward to talking with you again. Me too. About Henry Nowen. And here we were thinking we have nothing to say. And we're almost an hour in. I am yapping, man. I'm surprised, but thank you. Oh, hey. Very, very thankful as am I. Uh, Blessings 
to you and to your family, please give my greetings in Spanish to your wife. And uh, saludos a ella <laughs> de mi parte, por favor. Bro, blessings to you. I really appreciate it very much. Yeah. Look forward to connecting again. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, you're welcome, man. As for me, I am Scott McClelland, and this is your FX Missions Leadership Moment podcast. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Until next time, have a good one. Thank you for joining Scott with today's Leadership Moment. We hope you've apprehended an inspirational nugget or two that, when activated in your own life, will be imparted into those you lead. You may contact Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit fxmissions.com to learn more about how you can grow your own leadership and engage in missions. Until next time, good day, everyone.